Hello and welcome to the MDS podcast, the podcast channel of the International Parkinson and Movement Disorder Society. I am Michele Matarazzo from DHM SINAC in Madrid, Spain. Today, for the August 2020 issue of the podcast, we have the pleasure to have with us Professor Gunther Deutschel from the Christian Albrecht University of Kiel in Germany. Professor Deutschel is a world-renowned expert in Parkinson's disease and especially in deep brain stimulation treatment. He has produced a huge amount of high-relevant and clinically-oriented research that have translated to clinical practice and therefore impacted on the life of many people suffering from this disease. So first of all, Professor Deutschel, thank you very much for joining us today. Michele, thank, I thank you. It's a great pleasure to be with you. So today's podcast is going to be focused on deep brain stimulation or DBS and Parkinson. Parkinson's disease has a tremendous impact on the life of millions of people. And this impact, obviously, is not only to be measured as numbers in the motor scores of a physical assessment. In fact, some of the consequences of the disease cannot be seen in a neurological exam, but they may well affect people in their daily life and at their workplace. Now, you have recently published an article in the Movement Disorders Clinical Practice titled Deep Brain Simulation Impact on Social and Occupational Functioning in Parkinson's Disease with Early Motor Complications. This study is a sub-analysis of a very well-known international multi-center project called Early Steam that you have led, which has provided a huge amount of evidence on the use of deep brain stimulation in people with Parkinson's. Now, can you summarize in few words what Early Steam is and what were the main goals and the methodology of the project? Well, first of all, I fully agree with you that um, it's not only the motor score that is interesting when it comes to Parkinson's disease. It's much more than this. If it's apathy, it's impulse control disorders, it's urinary functions, it's depression, and so on. So there are many aspects. And the overarching patient reporting outcome for this um, has been established in the past as a uh, quality of life. And usually the PDQ39 is used for this. And our study has used that as the primary outcome. And um, the quality of life um, is 27% better for the DBS group than for the medication group. Meaning that at a stage of early stim, when the patients are just um, about to develop fluctuations, so it's really pretty early in the disease. Um, the inclusion criterion was that first symptoms of fluctuations must have occurred no longer than three years. So we have a very early group of patients which have on average uh, 7.5 years of disease duration, which only have about 700 milligrams levodopa equivalence dosage. And those of you who are a little bit familiar with that tells you that this is just at the end of the honeymoon period and the beginning of the complications. Okay, and for those, quality of life was improved by 27%, which means that this group, even if they are optimally treated with BMT, BMT was controlled in this trial with a continuous monitoring of their BMT. That means that quality of life is 27% better than with, with medication. Certainly, the standard outcomes like um, the UPDS-3 showed an improvement uh, of 53%. There was a 30% improvement of activities of daily living. So this is the UPDS-2. 
and a 68% improvement of levodopa-induced complications. On top of this, the patients receiving DBS had a 39% reduction in daily levodopa-equivalent dosage. This is very meaningful as the dosage of levodopa influences not only the motor system, but also many other aspects of, of a patient like mood, um, cognition, and so on. Well, the early steam has been reported in so many publications, but I think you summarized most of them here. And it was very, very nice to see uh, all of the results together. And uh, it was really a milestone to show how deep brain stimulation can have a huge impact on the quality of life of people with Parkinson's. Yes. But let's focus now on this specific study in which you wanted to see how the early deep brain stimulation would impact the psychosocial and occupational functioning of people with Parkinson's compared to the best medical therapy. Now, what outcomes did you choose to study this? Well, we used um, at the beginning the SOFAS. The SOFA scale is not the best scale for measuring psychosocial function. It is more established in psychiatry than in urology, but that was an inclusion criterion for us so that we have really competent uh, patients who are fully functioning in social life. And the main outcome parameter was therefore the SCOPA PS score. That's an established score that has been used in many studies and is established as a measure of overall psychosocial functioning. And um, regarding this, we have a difference after two years in favor of the DBS group of 23%, which is probably unparalleled by other interventions for Parkinson's disease. Moreover, we looked at um, employability. Certainly, everybody hoped that when patients are operated, they function longer. About half of the patients were still working. And um, we hoped that this level would be better for the patients with the DBS after 24 months. This was not the case. Um, there was no significant difference in that respect. Um, there was a slight tendency for an improvement. But given the fact that we looked at 250 patients total, so this is quite a large group, and I don't think that in Central Europe, you would get another finding if you would repeat the study. Maybe that in other cultures, this finding would look differently. As we know, for example, that the social system influences very much the work um, that patients undertake. And probably in the US, the situation would have been different. And the social systems in France and Germany, where this study has been performed, are relatively good. And people are used to retire at the age of 60 or 65. So basically there was an improvement in psychosocial and in occupational functioning, but it was not the case for the employment, right? Right. That is one of the main results. What I found also very interesting is also this outcome that you choose, which was the estimation of employability. So if the patient... right. And the physician think whether the patient was employable or not after the, the, the treatment, which was the deep brain simulation or the best medical treatment. And it was very interesting to see that the physician tended to overestimate the employability compared to the patient estimation. Right. How do you interpret this finding? Well, um, you know, 
first of all, this is a, a not validated scale. When we planned this study in 2005, there was no available questionnaire for this. So what we thought was we, we take the situation um, that every neurologist knows within his social system that he should judge on whether this patient would be fully employable, half employable or less than half or not employable in his social system. So when he makes any um, uh, expertise for employability of a patient, what every neurologist does every day, he should apply the same criteria. And um, uh, so the, the physicians did this, and this differed um, quite a lot between the patient's view and the physician's view. And certainly this was an important point that, um, that we wanted to better understand the only thing we found is that for those patients who considered themselves not employable, they had a higher apathy scale. So apathy may be an aspect that influences employability, which, is, which has some face validity. I mean, we all can understand that somebody who is apathetic, that he will probably not go for continuing his work as he did before. And that may be an, an explanation, but certainly this is uh, just a suggestion by the data. It's not, it's not a definite proof. Well, that's very interesting. And another very interesting thing, in my opinion, is the, um, the placebo effect. So there has been a lot of discussion on the placebo effect and how it may be involved in clinical trials, uh, such as the early STEAM. Now, do you think that the results somehow can be explained by a placebo effect in the DBS group? Well, I think employability is a pretty hard criterion. And uh, real employment is a, is a pretty hard criterion. I don't think that major placebo e effects play a role for this. Overall, the, the role of placebo effects when it comes to DBS is still heavily discussed. From a pure clinician point of view, I must say that if after 24 months, you still have a very solid response to the treatment, even if a placebo effect plays a major role in that, uh, this is um, a very good result of a therapy. And um, when you look at the on-off results that you get in these patients, then you don't really trust in a very strong placebo effect. Everybody who has seen a patient with a stimulator on and then two hours later with the stimulator off knows very well the difference between these two conditions. Excellent. Now, with this new evidence, do you think we should change our current approach when choosing what is best for our patients and so take into consideration the work and social aspects along with the other clinical characteristics of a patient? Or in other words, what important message have we learned from this study that is applicable to clinical practice? Well, I think um, uh, to answer this question, which I think is very, very interesting and very important for all of us um, and for our patients, we have to include another secondary analysis of the early STEM study. And that was the question, which patients improve their quality of life? And what we learned is, that when patients have a relatively good quality of life, their improvement is pretty small. 
while if they have a bad quality of life, their improvement is much better. Personally, I conclude from this, and I practice that in my daily work, I use the quality of life of the patient as an additional criterion to recommend DBS or not. So if the quality of life is still very good, why doing DBS even if the patient is fluctuating? But, I mean, the much more important and the much more frequent situation is that people think they can do better with medication. Physicians think they can do better with medication. And for these patients, when they have a poor quality of life, the conclusion from early STEM is that this patient should be better undergo DBS surgery to really improve his everyday life. And we know from the long-term studies that improvement of quality of life is maintained for at least five years. And it's certainly slightly worsening, but that's due to disease progression. And what you can do just as a rule of thumb, you improve the quality of lives for about five years for these patients. And that's, uh, that's uh, I think that's an important number. Well, I think that's really a very good take-home message that we can learn from you today. So it's, as you were saying, it's not just the off time, the on time, the time with dyskinesia or without dyskinesia, but apart from all these very important clinical characteristics, we have to take into consideration also the, the quality of life because we want to improve the quality of life. And so the quality of life should be taken into account when we choose whether the patient is a potential candidate for DBS or not. And that actually leads to my next question, which is, well, after all these years and all this analysis that you have done, right. when do you think it is the best moment to consider a patient a good candidate for DBS? And what do you foresee as next steps to better select patients? Uh, this is a tough question. I think after all these years, as I said, certainly we do everything that you have to do before you consider a patient to be eligible. For surgery, you have to have a good levodopa response. We look that the patients do not have a severe dementia, although nobody knows why not treating patients with at least a slight dementia. They can probably also improve their quality of life. Uh, we look certainly for all psychiatric problems that these patients may have. But after you have done all of this, it really comes down to the question if a patient is eligible from these more or less hard data, the, the decision comes whether this patient really suffers from his disease, suffers enough, and that can be measured a little bit with quality of life. So quality of life on the PDQ39 above 20 points would be something that I, under these conditions, I would consider a patient probably eligible and discuss that with him. This is always a discussion between the patient and the physician, and there are much more aspects like the family that is behind him, his employment, uh, that's also important. So it's a, a whole mixture of things, and it really needs an experienced clinician to finally make this decision right. I do not favor to use DBS when it's not yet necessary or when patients have an obviously very benign course. But when I see that somebody really can have a huge profit from DBS, then I usually recommend. Well, excellent. Thank you very much. Is there anything else that you want to share with our listeners? 
Well, I mean, regarding DBS, I think there's one very important point for everybody in our field. You know, there, there was this change already 20 years ago when we changed from having only medication to additionally having these interventional procedures like DBS um, and in the future probably um, focused ultrasound. I think it's important if you want to treat your patient with DBS, you have to learn it. You have to learn not to do the surgery, but you have to learn to deal with the patient with his problems. And this is something, this is a skill that is really beneficial, not only for the patient, but also it adds much to your professional satisfaction with your work. And therefore, I think it's good to deal with this and to learn doing DBS in your patients. And then you have to collaborate with a center that is experienced in the field. And this is not only fun for the patient, it's also fun for the physician. Great. Again, we have interviewed today Professor Deutschel from the Christian Albrecht University on the article Deep Brain Stimulation Impact on Social and Occupational Functioning in Parkinson's Disease with Early Motor Complications, published in the Movement Disorder Clinical Practice. Thank you again for joining Professor Deutschel, and thank you all for listening.